Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 223. My guest on this episode is the 2019 U.S. Women's Mid-Amateur Champion, Ina Kim Shad. I've received many requests to have Ina on the podcast. We finally got it done. She's been traveling. You all know that I've been on the road most of the second half of 2021, but we got it done, and our conversation was well worth the wait. Yes, she is a USGA champion. Many USGA champions have stopped by the back of the range, but there is so much more to her story. And and honestly, I don't think we really got into her 2019 win at Forest Highlands all that much. We did, however, talk about her starting the game. We, we talked about the state of the game on the women's side, spoke about her sense of fashion. You can't miss that. And also her mental approach to the game and her new career as a mental skills instructor under Dr. Gio Valiante. This episode has something for everyone, no matter your skill level in the game. Bottom line, listening to what Ina has to say on this episode is going to help your game, period. But we also had a lot of fun, too. So let's get into it right now. Ina, welcome to the Back of the Range. How are you? Oh, Ben, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's been it's been a long time in the making, so I'm honored to be here, and um, and thank you for for making the time. No, I, come on now. We we have, we, <laughs> we have two uh, two world travelers. I feel uh, trying to connect for a podcast episode, and no. it's, it's just it's going to take some time. Um, we have a lot to get into. I feel like this this episode's probably going to need a follow up. But before we get into your history and your game and just everything about. Uh, your, your amateur career. I just got back from vacation. I just came back from the West Coast. You you left the country. You had to go over to Ireland and then bring something <laughs> back with you. By the way, you are not the first member of a MGA Met Golf Association. You're not the first member of a uh, MGA Carry Cup team to be on this podcast. Mr. T- Mr. Tilly was oh, uh, I, that guy i mean come on he's Brett. the man he's the man, he's the man. <laughs> he was on the podcast but uh for people that maybe need a little refresher on uh the carry cup i will let you kick off this episode talk to me a little bit about the carry cup and your time in ireland oh man the carry cup was absolutely incredible um so i guess the the history of it was is very very cool i think it started maybe 20 or 30 years ago the carry the carry family which is um I believe Grant Carey uh, was the the governor and he helped a lot with relations uh, in Ireland. And so to kind of keep that up and, and he was a lover and supporter of golf, the family sponsored this tournament to keep up relations between New York and Dublin. And so the Golf Union of Ireland and the MGA um, in the New York Met section uh, come together every two years and they do a home and away. Sure. So this year happened to be in Ireland uh, at Carton House, which at Monty's course Colin Montgomery. So that was amazing. And just, I mean, listen, we had, as you know, Brad Tilly, you know, uh, we had Mega Gane, we had Darren Goldstein. It was like this all-star we had. Um, oh my gosh. It, it was just like such an incredible team of people with such great vibes. Like if, you know, I can't even describe to you the memories that, that were taken away and fantastic golf, but the camaraderie was really incredible. Um, just seeing everybody bond, and it was the first year that they had women, actually. Yeah. Previously, it had been an all-men's event. So it was just an honor to be there for the kind of inaugural women's induction to the event. Um, so it was just, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we all live for these team events. And there's a reason because it's just so much more special because you're playing for something much bigger than yourself. Uh, in these things, and you had Noelle Martz and Alexis Heos. Oh, my gosh. So much fun. Gosh, there's such a crack up. They're amazing. And, and you know, I'm glad you were there because your vibrant personality and, and just leadership really probably helped bring Megagane out of her shell. Because I hear 
from all of her Curtis Cup teammates. I'm completely being sarcastic, but I hear from all. Yeah, of her, I'm like, uh. Uh, yeah, I hear that that she is uh, uh, now. I mean, on the golf course. Uh, I mean, great. I mean, I believe she just got voted AJGA Player of the Year. Um, but uh, forget about the golf because I I'm going to have her on pretty soon. That she's I'm saving her for the tail end of my Curtis Cup series. I'm trying to have every member of the team on the podcast. But I'm hearing that off the golf course, um, she's the show. Oh, dude, she's such a little legend. She was, she, <laughs> she, she was the freaking DJ okay. uh, on the party bus the night of our celebrations. She was just freaking like on it with the busting out new songs, dancing up and down the bus aisles. Um, it was just incredible. We're all, she had us all dancing on the bus. It was amazing. Um, just all of it. Yeah, she's she's incredible young lady. Um, sometimes I think she's way more mature than I am. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, no, you're a teen. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, you're like this amazing ba- balance. I love it. Well, I, I'm hearing uh, I'm hearing she's a TikTok star. So as soon as uh, I might need to uh, see if I can you know, grab her for like a summer internship to help me boost up some of the social media skills here at the back of the range, you know, because she has nothing else to do other than playing probably U.S. Opens and U.S. Amateurs and right. stuff like that. Yeah, right, she's yeah. not busy at all. No, no, she's got time. It's me. Come on. Right. Um, how before we talk a little bit about your, your junior career and just kind of what led you into, um, you know, kind of your path. You just mentioned the the excitement of playing in a team format. How important is it for competitive amateurs to actually find, I don't want to say non-competitive golf, because the Carry Cup was obviously very competitive, but how important as a competitive amateur is it to find these fun little diversions or different types of events to play in to kind of remember why you play the game? Oh, man, I uh, you're... You- you absolutely nailed it. It's just, I think competition brings out so much in everybody. And it's really this element that is inexplicable unless until you're in it. That's okay. so exciting and visceral. And it brings out so many great and terrible things <laughs> all at the same time. And yes. it's, it's part of the whole challenge, why we love it so much. Um, and I think that whatever format that takes, whether it's literally like the, the giggle golf, um, on, you know, Tuesday, ladies day, nine holes or the wine and dine, or, you know, the U S amateur, I think you can always find something, uh, out there that, that makes you tick. And I think that's the amazing part about golf is, is there something for everybody in competition, whether again, it's, it's handicapped, serious, not serious. It doesn't matter. It's just super duper fun. And it brings together fabulous people. I've met some of the most amazing people, some of my best friends through golf, um, so I just, I consider myself very lucky and I consider all of us very lucky to, to be in this game. Yeah. You remind, that reminds me of, uh, Scott Harvey, a, a fellow U S mid amateur champion like yourself that I think during one of my conversations with him that he was like, I, I, you know, like playing the serious stuff, but I'm, I've also been known to show up to a four man scramble with a cooler Coors light and, uh, and, and have a good time. And I'm just thinking to myself, whoever is playing against that guy in a scramble uh, must be looking at him like, what are you doing? You're not, you're Scott Harvey, you dumbass. I mean, what are you doing? So it's funny. I, I honestly, I just had this conversation with a friend last week and she was like, I was telling her how much I enjoy scrambles. And yeah. she looked at me like I was a crazy person. Right. And I was like, honestly, it's such a different mentality. And from a mental perspective, you really put the you know pedal to the metal right and you play everything to make and you don't care about the consequences because you know that somebody's got your back and really that's how we should be playing the game every day i mean yeah like you don't want to be making doubles by ramming something 10 feet by but you know realistically you should be trying to make everything and it i love playing scrambles because it puts me in that mindset and it reminds me I should play this aggressively every day. I should not play scared ever, and I should not be trying to protect anything. So I I love them. You've heard it here, folks. If you want to become a USGA champion, (laughs) you need to play hit and giggle scrambles. scrambles, Play more scrambles. Okay, got it. Um, Let me just write that one down. Put that... (laughs) Okay. Um, moving on to actually, well, I don't want to move on. I want to actually let's let's backtrack a little bit here. Clearly, you had a, a great start in the game. Played uh, at a very high level at the junior ranks. Played collegiately at Northwestern, but I don't want to skip over just how you did get into the game. Kind of a rite of passage here at the back of the range. Everyone yeah. shares their story about how someone put a club in your hand. How did golf? Uh, how did you start in golf? Uh, yeah, it was. It's pretty pretty typical, really. My okay. parents loved the game. 
and they wanted to, you know, they worked really hard and, and their weekends were their time to play golf. So they would drag us along uh, and, you know, lure us in by, by allowing us to drive the, the golf carts. Uh, yep, the um, golf and, carts. <laughs> that's right. And my sister, she's 13 months older than I am, um, took to it very quickly. And I obviously wanted to be just like her. So I took to it then. And so we had this, you know, golfing family and that was our weekend activity. So really it was, it was really family bonding is how it started. And then it kind of grew, um, and, and evolved into something much greater, you know, pretty quickly because they started putting us in lessons and then we both kind of took to it like ducks to water. So, you know, we were very lucky. <laughs> now, you, you have this great junior career, um, you know, runner up in the, in the 2000 U.S. Girls Junior, played at Northwestern. And for anyone that researches or your career or looks up at your career and finds the, the, the 2019 U.S. Women's Mid-Amateur title to your name, uh, almost always they find the other narrative of, well, she took a break from the game for 11 years and now she's a USGA champion. And that's that's just how it happened, just like that. And obviously there's a <laughs> lot more to it than that. But uh, I'm curious, what was kind of your mindset at 21 when you did take the break? I know it was to pursue your career, but was you know was that a tough decision to say, okay, I I just played college golf and now I'm, I'm done for a while. How, you know, how did that happen? It's funny at the time, I never really thought it was so binary. Um, okay. I kind of, I graduated, I, I was working full time. Um, and it was honestly the first time in my life. And I know this sounds crazy, but that I'd ever had two days, meaning the weekend to myself to literally do whatever I wanted. Right. And that was like mind blowing to me. <laughs> there's no tournament. There's so, no lesson. Yes, there's, there's no nothing. There's no I, obligations. I could sleep until 10 in the morning if I wanted. I could do whatever I wanted. I could right. go party. I could go travel. I could go, you know, eat a beautiful dinner and stay out late. Like it was just, it was mind boggling the possibilities. <laughs> so it was more a, a function of me, like this whole world, this oyster had opened up to me. And I was so excited about all the other possibilities that I kind of just, forgot about golf or like, you know, kind of put it on the side burner because I was just so excited to do all this other stuff. <laughs> so, you know, I wouldn't say like, you know, people I think always ask like, were you burned out? Were you, did you hate it? Right. Not at all. I was honestly just so excited to do all this other stuff that I never was able to do. You know, I went skiing for the first time ever, like went on these beautiful ski trips around Europe, uh, just all this stuff you never get to do when you right. play competitive golf. It was incredible. So it sounds to me that it's almost like, like when I talk to college kids now, you know, they have, there's college golf and then there's the professional golf, or they're looking at college and golf as two separate things almost. So by listening to you, it almost sounds like you kind of baked in college and golf together so once you were done with college you were kind of okay this is a perfect way to end my golf for a while is that and is that anywhere close yeah I would say so I mean I think being a student athlete is always such a large commitment yeah. and it's it's so highly intertwined that you can't really um kind of separate one from the other so yeah college was my was my golf experience and golf was my college experience and I right. can't separate them, and it was wonderful and um, I actually like one of my best girlfriends from college on the golf team is, is staying with me now in Jupiter. And it's just such a special bond that, um, that we have, uh, and, and the experience that we had. So I'm grateful for all of it. And it's, it's just, you can't, yeah, it's just wonderful. <laughs> when, when you were, when you're around some of these, um, some of these elite amateurs, like, like a Megagani and, and, you know, obviously they know your story too. They, they know your, your history in the game you know, do they ask those questions to you? Like, you know, Hey, you know, what was it like? And, and, you know, did you get, like you said, you know, did you get burned out? I mean, are, what kind of information do you share with them to maybe, you know, pass along a little bit of knowledge about what it's like, you know, Hey, this is what I dealt with when I was 21. Do, the, do those stories ever happen? Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know that necessarily the, the young, um, the young kids necessarily ask me as much, but definitely, you know, girls that are kind of, graduating or graduating soon or right. you know just entered the working force they they're definitely more curious because they're in it um and i think that hopefully you know uh, through the generations you know when we were growing up junior golf wasn't as sophisticated there wasn't as much yeah. information as much coaching and so everything was trial by fire and now we have so many more resources at our at our fingertips and i think that hopefully you know parents have realized that yeah, you can be serious at golf, but there still needs to be this other, you know, fulfillment, um, in, 
in life that is with friendship and and family life and travel and seeing the world and and all sorts of things. And so, you know, I I hope that these next generation of golfers, you know, come with a lot more experience, life experience, um, and their world doesn't revolve so much around just golf. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that it's you know it's great to have golf as as your your everything and to be obsessed with it and love it. I think you need to have an element of that, but. You know, I also think that being well balanced is is a really positive thing, and and that's the point partly of college, right? So, um, yeah, yeah I, I I always like to kind of encourage just exposing yourself to as much as possible, even if it's totally different from what you would normally do. You know, like I would never go to a vegan restaurant, but I will try it. I, I will never go, vegan, but I'll try it. Right, as, as a very basic example. Okay. Um, but I, you know, I just think being open minded to new experiences um, is is never really a bad thing. Best tournament you've played recently, forget about the golf, forget about the competition, but the dinners. I, I, I just know that you're, you're I mean, food, oh, man. You're, you're, yeah, I know you're kind of into the food. So, um, <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, well, don't give me, a, so you know, I know it. Okay. Give me one, give me one that stands out recently though. Well, I don't want to, you mean, know. I have to say recently, just because it's, you know, it in the front of my mind and, and it's my first international travel since COVID was sure. um, obviously Ireland. Okay. Um, and we, uh, it, it happened to be my husband's 50th birthday that week. So we went and made a trip of it. So uh, we did this whole kind of circuit and went to fabulous dinners and met up with a great friend uh, who happens to live in Dublin, who was so kind to take off his very important job and caddy for me for three Ooh, days. Yeah, there you just, go. He's like the nicest man. And we just had the best time. He was our mascot, really. Uh, <laughs> there you <and> go. <laughs> so, good old Al. Good old Al. So speaking of good your Al. husband, is uh, true or false? Is he kind of what got you back into golf? Very true. You really did your homework. Good job, Ben. Well, I do, I, you know, I'm, I do my best here. <laughs> so Ian and I met in an elevator in London. We were both working abroad in London in finance. And he happened to have a meeting in my office building. And he recognized me from the, like, literally, I would, might play golf once a year. He recognized me from a golf, golf outing I had done a couple years before. And so he'd recognize me from that and tap me on the shoulder. And we were, you know, dating, like, a couple years later. But, um, wow. yeah, he is the golfer of the family. And he was the one that would want to play golf when we would hang out. And so he kind of got me back into it. <laughs> <laughs> now, did, okay, so... All right, that's just fascinating right there. So so he drags you into to like, hey, let's play some golf again. Now, it's one thing to go out and play a little bit of casual with, with your husband and just go hit it around. Do you remember when it started when you know, what basically when you started getting the itch again where it started with like the feelings and the the comp, the competitive drive started coming back where you're like, you know, you're playing maybe once a week or once a month with your husband and, and maybe, you know, hitting some shots and you're like, all right, that's not me. I don't, I don't hit those shots. I didn't hit those shots when I was 21. Right. I, I, I can't settle for, you know, you know, I shot 85 today and that's just not, I can't either. I'm going to do it the right way. Or I'm just not going to play. Like I'm sure at some point that must've come across your mind. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. Yeah. The physical component actually came back pretty quickly. Um, I mean, it takes a lot, but the consistency, it takes a long, a much longer time. And yeah, it was funny. I, you know, I think it took, it took a while before I really was motivated to, to practice seriously and actually get my game back, back to what, what I felt was kind of acceptable, but you're right. There's definitely that, that portion where you're like, you're just having fun and it's great, but you're like, man, I shot 79 today that sucks right and yeah well well that's that's something that you know we're gonna ask i'm gonna talk to you a little bit later in the episode about what you're doing now i mean you mentioned finance well you've 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 kind of moved into a different phase of your professional career so to speak and we're going to talk about that in a little while because i have lots of questions and i think hopefully i know your answers are going to be of tremendous value to people listening to this podcast but just play scrambles just play oh yeah i don't even want you're you're right i don't even know why we're going further (laughs) well thanks for being on the podcast play more scrambles and we'll see you next week no um but i i definitely didn't want to gloss over the fact that you know you take this break at 21 you pick it up again you know 11 12 years later and you get yourself to the point where now you're competing at a national level and and you you win the u.s uh women's mid-am in 2019 there have been other great uh, u.s mids on this podcast not just on the the men's side but greenleaf's been uh, uh been on the podcast and and uh shannon johnson and of course megan stassi but i mean this is a oh, real 
I know you're in that category. I mean, you're 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 in the category with those ladies, and you know you win this championship. Look, it's match play. There's stroke play, then there's a match play portion. So it's it's a long process to get to that final match, but maybe like the six months leading up to that championship, how hard were you working on it while also you know trying to balance other phases of your life? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I will answer it by by kind of rewinding the clock a little bit, um, which is, I guess I started playing again um, in 2016. Um, I, I left my last company and I just kind of wanted to take a little bit of time off. And at that time, I kind of thought it would be six months to a year okay. mentally. And uh, I was like, oh, I have all this time. I'm going to I'm going to start playing golf. <laughs> I'm going I'm to enter some tournaments. And um, it kind of, you know, went down this rabbit hole of golf very, very quickly. And you know, I, I physically was, was playing really well. I was actually winning tournaments right off the bat and it was, it was a lot of fun, but I, I found myself, you know, very anxious and I had such high expectations that I was constantly disappointing myself, yeah. even with wins. And I, frankly, I wasn't really enjoying it as much as I thought I was going to. Um, and I knew that there was this divergence that I, I, I knew wasn't right. And so I, that's kind of when I sought out, uh, Dr. Giovaliante. Um, and he really worked with me and helped me to see why, you know, I was kind of reacting the way that I was and why I was feeling the things that I did on the golf course and off the golf course. Um, because it was just puzzling to me that I could be doing well and yet still feel, you know, unhappy or, or anxious. Um, and so he kind of put things into perspective for me and, and we had worked a lot on that going into the, the mid end by 2019. So that kind of sets the stage for that. And, um, you know, I'd played my first two rounds of stroke play and I was actually hitting the ball beautifully. And I remember calling him after the second stroke play round. And, and I was, I, I don't remember my exact score, but I was hovering somewhere around even or one or two over. And I, I probably hit in the two days, an average of 16 greens, maybe 17. Um, That's pretty good considering there's only 18 and, greens on the golf course. Right, right. And I, but I called, I called him frustrated and I was like, Gio, you know, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Like I'm, I'm trying to over control the outcome, uh, with my putting. And that's why, you know, every time I'm not hitting the ball far from the hole, even right. if I'm hitting 16, 17 greens and I'm, I just, every time I'm having, you know, two putts on a green pretty much. And I was kind of venting to him. He, and he was like, listen, we have been working on this. You know, exactly what you need to do that. Like, you've got to let go of control to gain control. Interesting. And like, literally like the biggest sigh came out of my mouth and I'm like, oh, man, I, I know. So the next day I just go guns blazing, like, you know, just trying to nail every putt, like letting go, just really trying to be free. And that was kind of the beginning of it where I could see, you know, the potential of what was happening and what we had all been working on. It kind of culminated that week um, beautifully. So very lucky. Um, and, and the rest of the week was just, um, it was, it was wonderful. Yeah. And okay. So that, that actually makes a lot of sense because that's something that I wanted to ask you. And we'll just jump into it. You mentioned uh, Dr. Gio Valiante. So you are now a, you are working alongside him. You're actually the very first, uh, you know, kind of partner instructor underneath his umbrella, you know, Fearless Golf. So you're taking a lot of things that you learned from him and you're helping others and coaching them as well. And I think that's something like you just mentioned. Well, I think it actually, you know, forget about the, maybe the junior aspect. That's a whole other conversation. But I think for mid-ams, I think one of the struggles that either, either I found in my game or I know a lot of other mid-ams are like, how do I get the most out of my game when they can't devote as much time to it as they'd like to? And how do they set proper expectations? You know, they, they can't go hit 500 four-footers, at, you know, at night. They, they, they got to pick up the kids. Or, they you know, they can't sneak out and play nine holes at 3 a.m. or 3 at 3 p.m. Oh, that'd be a trick. But they can't sneak out and play nine holes in the afternoon, you know, because maybe their their job doesn't allow that. So right. like, how do you help mid-ams with that issue? How do I not get, um, you know, how do I kind of not torture myself with unrealistic <laughs> expectations? Yeah. I mean, that's a really, really good question. I think that we work with a lot of our clients on, you know, smarter practice. And, and I think if you look at a lot of the juniors, especially as you alluded to, they practice in a very different way and it's not necessarily, you know, they care more about hours or number of balls. Right. Yeah. And we preach so much about deliberate practice 
And deliberate practice, honestly, sometimes it's not very fun. No. <laughs> I'm going to be open with you. Sometimes it's really fun and it's really fulfilling, but there are times where it's just not fun. It's a grind, but it is what makes you better. And so if you can dedicate 30 minutes rather than three hours and really, really focus on exactly what you're doing, have a goal, you know, and work towards that specific goal and you have direct immediate feedback towards what you're trying to achieve, whether it's through video or, you know, you've got a putting gate, like whatever you're working on, direct feedback and having that very, very intent focus on what you're trying to do and then being able to tweak it and have direct feedback each time to know exactly how you're doing it. This is how people get better. And so if you can dedicate just a small amount of time with very, very focused goal oriented practice, that is way more meaningful than being able to just, you know, hit a hundred golf balls on the range, you know, pick up driver and just rip it. So let me follow up that statement, which is makes complete and total sense. And I would imagine that anyone that you talk to understands that concept. Of course, it's, it's deliberate. It's, it's, goal driven it's purposeful why don't we all do that already <laughs> um as i said it it <laughs> is it's very challenging it takes 100% i'm not kidding 100% of your commitment and your mental capacity when you're doing it and so frankly it's mentally and physically exhausting if you do a 30 to 45 minute session of 100% committed deliberate practice you're physically and mentally exhausted so what you're saying is when people say on a golf course, I took one shot at a time, maybe they're hitting that that tee ball. They're locking in for those 40, 50, 60 seconds of executing their tee shot. And then they either get in the golf cart or they walk and they have that mental break where they can kind of, you know, uh, you know, mentally take a break from that shot. And then they redo it again, uh, uh -huh. you know, three or four minutes later when they finally get to their ball or whatever. So uh -huh. you're, So you're saying instead of that three or four minute break, you're doing it one after the other and do, going through full pre-shot routine, full everything. That's why the exhaustion sets in. Yes, absolutely. It is just, it's effortful. It is complete focus and it's, you're, you're analyzing, you know, the outcome to try and get feedback to what you need to do next or what you need to tweak on the next, you know, rep. And so it's a lot going on in that, in that condensed session. Um, but that being said, I love what you said about the staying present because that's absolutely what we preach. We, we kind of, um, uh, we call it 20 seconds of greatness, which is literally, we want you to be so focused in on your shot for 20 seconds, like 100%, every cell in your body committed to that shot in it. And then as soon as you hit, we want you out of it, let go, you've, you've moved on. And then you're thinking about literally anything else, the birds in the trees, what you're going to have for dinner tonight, <laughs> you know, the friend you're going to call on the way home. Yeah. Anything. Okay. Cause it's interesting. Cause I'm, I, as you know, I'm around amateur golf a lot and I see a lot of different versions of, um, well, I wouldn't say version, but I, I see different mindsets out there. I see a guy that is, um, locked in on the shot. And then afterwards you can tell his mind isn't on it. And then I see guys out there, and ladies, but I see for the most part, I see a lot of, a lot of men's tournaments and I see the guys and some of them are just, they're, they're really just locked in the entire time where they, they'll, they won't even acknowledge me. And then other ones are just in between shots. They're looking over waving or, or they're, you know, if I'm walking close, they'll, they'll ask, say something to me, but I, I see a lot of different, a lot of different kind of approaches. So you're saying for the most part, you need to kind of shut it off a little bit in between shots. Yes. I mean, that can take many forms, right? When you're right. in the zone, sometimes it's hard to like get out of it, air quotes. Right. You're still, you may be thinking about other things, but you're still like locked in. So you may walk more intentfully, right. intentionally, and you may have like a very fixed gaze, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily, you know, you're, you're not kind of thinking about the last golf shot or the future golf shot necessarily. Okay. You're just kind of intense, right? You're focused in general. Okay. How far, so, you know, we have a game right now that's obs everyone's obsessed with swing speed and ball speed and launch angle and spin rate and, you know, several other things. How far down on the list do you think mental conditioning is right now? It's obviously not where it should be, I would guess. Yeah. But where do you think it sits right now from, from the players you've, you've worked with? You know, I think it's a really interesting time. I think 2020 um, and 2021 have been really, really challenging years. And I think that we have seen 
you know, the mental game really come to the forefront this year, more so than than ever in the history of sports. We've had so many, you know, world champions come forward and say, you know, I'm really I'm really struggling with my mental yeah, health, yeah. the mental game. And I'm either going to take a break or I'm going to work on repairing this. And it's very important to me. And so I, I, I think we're at a really interesting time where, yeah, I mean, I definitely think this part of the game is neglected. And I think that most people try and fix it out on the range. Um, right, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yet, and yet I do think that uh, this year has also been kind of, in a way, shed a lot of light that this is actually a really, really important part of the game that has been neglected up until now. Maybe in the past it had, you know, it had been a little bit taboo or or whatever people were embarrassed to say that they were seeking, you know, the help of a, a mental professional. But it's not really, it, it's not that way. We're really trying to unlock what your potential is, you know, you already have the physical potential and we're trying to kind of eliminate some of the blockages that are happening, um, to, to allow you to be more free. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things, you know, when I was playing a lot, you know, one thing that I struggled with was tying my score into how I felt about myself that day. So Uh if I, so if I shoot 72, 71, I play solid well, I'm in a good mood. I'm I'm more pleasant. I, I'm more engaging with others after the round. Um, if I shoot 78, 79, my I I don't you know my self worth kind of plummets a little bit. I'm not conversational after the round. I'm maybe a little embarrassed in front of right. my peers and friends. So how do you how do you communicate that to your clients? Like, I mean, it's, it has to be more than just like, look, you you are not the value of the, the score you put on your scorecard, yep, but, absolutely. Ha, but how do you kind of break someone out of that? And to, so they can go into the day and kind of leave it in a similar fashion as they leave the golf course, depending on, you know, it doesn't matter what they shoot. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm, making, all, I'm really <laughs> making you work here, by the way. I mean, <laughs> no, this good. okay. Good. It's amazing. So, so we, we really, um, we, we kind of try and verbalize that into two categories. We, we call it mastery golf versus ego golf. Okay. And I would, I would ask you if you have a pen and paper and you know, the audience, whoever's listening, um, yeah. if you have a pen and p- piece of paper, I would challenge you right now to write down, why do you play golf? Why? Um, I, I wrote down fun. Is that, is that, is that right? Absolutely. Okay. Good. Whatever comes to your mind, there's no right or wrong answer. This is not a test and you don't even have to share the answers with me. But the, 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 the point being that I think that everybody's why is different, but it tends to have started because the love of the game, the challenge you love, you know, the work that you get to put in and, and experience incremental gains, you know, out on the golf course. You love the interaction with your friends. You love going out and being in nature, like all these positive things. And then you get off the golf course every single day. And we're the first two things that people ask you when you get off the golf course. What'd you shoot? Yep. What'd you shoot? How'd you play? Which are completely results oriented questions. And so you start from, you know, loving the game and the process. And then the world society conditions you to just care about the results. And so over, you know, your entire career from junior golf until now, you're pretty much conditioned to not care about the journey at all and only care about the destination. And then your self-worth gets tied into that. So every day your ego is being attacked and you're pegging your confidence and, and everything else on this thing that you can't control, which is score. You can't control score. You've been out, you know, out there on days where you're like, man, I, I can't miss a shot and it, you know, you're going to shoot 68 or 64, whatever it is. And there are some days where you, you hit it so well. And then you just, for some reason you shoot 79, yep. it happens. You cannot control your score. So when you start pegging your self-worth to that score, which is an uncontrollable object, you're basically handing the car keys over to someone else, right? Your happiness is now pegged to something that you have no control over. It makes a lot of sense because now that I'm thinking about it, nobody in their right mind is writing down on a piece of paper, I got into golf because I want to shoot 66. No. Nope. You start because it's fun. Right. And, and all these, you know, probably people hopefully have a laundry list of 20 different reasons why they play. It's right. fantastic. And generally, they're all to do with the journey. They're all to do with the process. They're all to do with the context, not the result. 
This is great stuff. I feel like I, I owe you something for this one. I mean, I, this, I, can't, I, I keep forgetting that there's other people listening to this right now. They're probably thinking the same thing. Um, well, let me, okay, so let me ask you, you talked about fun and we mentioned a couple uh, we mentioned a couple people, um, um, Lauren Greenleaf and, and Shannon Johnson, Megan Stasi, three other U.S. Uh, women's mid-am champions that have been on this podcast. Yes, well, I have a Megan Stasi story that I am going to share with you. And, you know, it's not competition here, but if you have one that can top this one or share it, one that you have maybe of one of the other ladies or of Megan, go ahead. But I had the great fortune of playing golf. I played a round of golf with Megan Stasi, four time U.S. Uh, women's mid amateur champion, Curtis Cupper. And this was down here in South Florida. I honestly do not remember the exact details of what our game was. Um, I think it was a four ball with two other people, if I remember correctly. But at the end, but I don't remember the specifics. But bottom line is, I think my team won. Obviously, it was a non, it was an inconsequential kind of a game, especially for someone that's won a couple or four USGA titles. But we won, and I think I kind of gave her a little bit of the needle and something a little bit. I can't remember exactly, but I definitely let her know that. Some guy that runs a golf podcast just just won and beat her, <laughs> and she shot me a look. She wasn't finding that funny at all. She was oh. not having it whatsoever, and I kind of was like, "Oh, okay, I get it now. This is this is how you, um, this is how you win USGA championships. You just despise losing uh, that much." I I was like, "Oh, I get it. I understand now." And I I shut up pretty quickly after that, but um. That's my experience playing golf. Now you've won international four balls with her, and oh, she's the best, right? So, um, what was your first? I guess when did you first meet her? When was your? Oh, first... I have a really good first meeting see, of Megan's coffee story. See, I, see, I didn't, I didn't even need to set this up. I need to share I, my story. I have an excellent one. So this is like my first season uh, of playing competitive golf again. Okay, and I signed up for the Florida State Women's Mid Am Tournament, which is which is a really really well run tournament. Shout and, out FSGA. Uh, Shout out FSGA. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I I show up, and first of all, the, the women were so freaking friendly. Like there were women driving up to me. Oh, you're new. I'm so and so. Like so nice to meet you. So glad you're here. Blah blah blah. It was just so lovely. You're like what? What is this? <laughs> and, and yeah, and. uh and I'm like this dork there well, like with my golf coach because I was like, I have no idea. Like I'm going to show up with my golf coach who's going to caddy for me because I'm like, this is super serious and intense. And all these women are like, you know, so chill, uh-huh. having a great time. And so somehow um, after the the two days, I think it was a two-day event. might have been a three-day. I don't remember. But I end up in a, in a tie for first with Megan. So we have to go on a, a sudden death playoff. Oh, and no. it's a it's, – <laughs> exactly it's the 18th hole and you have to play it over and over and over again until there's a winner and it it's like i think on the fifth or sixth time we were going around she nails this 40 foot maybe even 45 foot downhill right to left slider and it was going off the green into the bunker if it didn't go in but it was like so perfectly executed uh-huh. and she wins the playoff with that with that putt for, for birdie um and I'm like, man, that is like amazing. And she was super gracious, by the way. She was lovely. She was gracious. Right. We had great. I, I didn't know her from Bob at that point. And so I'm like, man, who is this freaking Megan who freaking stuffs this 40 foot slider on a on the fifth playoff hole, right? Um, just to get it done because you can tell she's like, man, I, I just want to get this over with. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Why is, this, why is this girl still hanging on? Oh my <laughs> Let god. Let me put her out of her misery. So then. Um, uh, after that, my husband thinks it's hysterical. And so he starts calling her like, you know, Newman from Seinfeld. Yes. And I was like, he's like Newman. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he starts calling her Stassi. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. And so she said that was kind of her, her kind of nickname for a little while until I got to know her. And I told her that story. She's like, that is hysterical. Now we're very, very good friends. I mean, we, we room together at the Mid-Am the last couple of years. Uh, we obviously partner for the U S um, or for the, for the Florida international four ball and, right. and we have such a good time. So <laughs> that, that's the meaning of Megan Stassi's story. That, and I'm glad you shared that one. And I'm sure there are several, several others that you can share about many of the, the ladies that play in, uh, in, in that term and then plenty of others. Talk to me about the women's. I guess if I had to look at the different sections of amateur golf, 
maybe and and you know correct me if you think I'm wrong um you know is the women's mid amateur maybe the smallest underrepresented segment of amateur golf oh absolutely yeah without a doubt for sure okay. and i think that um this year was super encouraging uh so at 2021 we i think we saw the biggest uptick in uh applications to to play to qualify um, I, I forget what the numbers were, but but it was an incredible increase in the applications um, for the actual mid-am. So that was really, really encouraging. And the age range of 25 to 35, I think, also went up like, you know, 10% or something like that. It was okay. it was really, really encouraging because it's really the the ladies who are working, you know, like myself, when I was between 21 and 32, whatever it was, it's just really hard to find time and to prioritize golf. Right. And so it's, it was really, really encouraging and wonderful to see a lot of the young girls that were out there this year, um, who are juggling at grad school, you know, Leah Clark was out there juggling grad school full time and living in New York city. I don't even know how you practice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doing that. Um, and, and she came out to the mid and absolutely crushed it. So it, it's just very, very cool to see that, uh, they're getting a foothold and maybe it's the, it's the growth of, of indoor golf, you know, five iron golf and all these things that, that has taken off in top golf. Um, that's allowing, you know, more urban, urban, uh, people to, to practice and play and not have this full-time commitment. So it's just, it's really, really nice to see. Yeah. And I've always, always wondered if it's like, is it lack of, I mean, there can always be more opportunities to get into the game of golf, whether it's women, juniors, seniors, you know, geographically, I mean, it could be anything. And, you know, do you think it's, is it just, you know, getting a career started is, do you think, I mean, I guess it's pretty fair that I would say between that age range, whether you're a man or a woman, it is challenging. Cause if you're coming out of college, you got to kind of get your career going and golf is golf is just not a game that you can, <laughs> you can't dip in and yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. I mean, it, I just, I kind of, you know, I don't know a lot of, I can't. And especially now with the way, how fast everything, every, everything runs in in the world you want that kind of immediate feedback. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a, that 21, 25 to 35 range is, it's gotta be challenging for just about everyone. Absolutely. It's really tough. I agree. Um, so it's, it's nice to see that, that there's a growth there. Um, and hopefully it's not just a COVID spike. I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it is either. I think, um, I, I'm really hoping that, that every aspect of amateur golf, every faction just grows and grows. And, and I think, you know, need more tournaments and, and just more, um, I, I love what, um, groups like, like I know Abby, uh, Leventhal over at the USJ running for the ladies and they're running events. And, um, you know, I know you mentioned five iron, I know they have outings there and, and just different yep. tournaments. I mean, I think all that's, all that's great. It's super cool. I think there's a, there's a cool group in New York city called Gooder girls. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. They're doing super fun, really cool events where, you know, people are dressing up. It's co-ed, like, you know, if you've never swung a golf club, you're welcome. If you are a scratch handicap, you're welcome. And it's just a really fun, collaborative, collegiate environment. And there's a lot of high noons going on and <laughs> it's just a fun time. So you're saying, very, very cool. so you're saying we need more opportunities to get into the game where the only opportunity should not be facing Megan Stasi. So she runs 40 footers <laughs> and you don't, that's, you don't want that to be your only way to get into the game of golf. Is that what you're saying? I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nobody needs that. I mean, I didn't, nobody, nobody needs a Megan Stassi crushing. No, <laughs> no, we don't want that. No, I definitely don't want that. Um, we have covered quite a bit, but there is one thing we definitely need to close this episode out with. I feel we can go on and on about a lot of things, but we, we have left, I don't know if this is the best for last, but we need to at least hit upon the topic of fashion. So, um, <laughs> Anyone that has seen you out on the golf course, or we will put the link to uh, to some of your articles and definitely your social uh, and the show notes of this episode, um, you definitely bring a sense of style to the golf course. And I'm guessing this did not start when you played collegially at Northwestern. Luckily <laughs> for you, I don't think there's any photographic evidence of what the women's team at Northwestern was wearing back in 2001. I'm guessing you are saying thank you, oh. Ben, for not finding that. Yes. Um, Cleats should never have happened. Okay. Well, well, in, in 2001, I'm sorry, but that's when I think Ashworth was kind of oh, the... Oh, 100%. See, see, the rolled up, rolled up sleeves, like two sizes too large and then rolled up sleeves. Yes. 
Yeah. For yeah. anyone that wants to know what I'm talking about, go look up Annika Sornstam at Arizona in like 1990 something, and you'll know what we're talking about. Um, yes. But you have an incredible sense of fashion on the golf course. Um, is this something that you save for the golf course, or is this just you are you've brought your sense of fashion from maybe the your professional career or wherever like oh well why wouldn't I you know dress up I mean it's walk me through this so I can understand yeah honestly it's it's just me in everyday life as okay, well okay. Uh, whether I was working um even now you know just wearing street clothes I really have fun with fashion and, okay and I think part of the having fun is I honestly just don't care what people think I will wear whatever I want if it makes me happy so <laughs> that's okay. kind of my my fashion mantra, um, and and you'll appreciate that my kind of fashion hero is Iris Apfel, um, and if you don't know who she is, she's look her up, and you'll you'll immediately understand why um, I I love her so much. She's um, this hundred year old. Um, uh, she used to be a a fashion um, coordinator, yes, and buyer, and she would travel all around the world, and she wears really really ridiculous things but she owns it and it's fabulous and uh, you know one day i i hope to be like her <laughs> i i just am, am baffled that you thought i would know who that is so i really appreciate that but now i do now that i've looked but, now that i know yeah if you I, google iris Apfel, you'll like everybody will recognize her i 100 is that, iconic and she's a she's a hundred years old she is yes and she's fabulous oh <laughs> um I, I think it's another kind of the latest one of the latest topics with golf where um, trying to bring more people into the game and by saying like hey you, you don't have to dress like your parents you can come to the golf course and express yourself and have your own sense of style you know there's no there's no uniform in this game for the most part unless we're talking Ryder Cup or college golf I mean my feeling on 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 that is you know bring your your sense of style out to the golf course that doesn't necessarily mean you could kind of dress slovenly and just show up wearing jeans and a, and a, and a dirty t-shirt, but uh -huh. I, I kind of like the direction you've gone in where, cause you're like, Hey, this is me. I want to express myself. Uh, do you see a lot of, a lot of that out there or are you kind of a unicorn in that sense? No, I think that, that people are more, you know, as I think hopefully, you know, golf is loosening up a little bit right. and I think that people are feeling a little bit more comfortable expressing themselves and listen, like, You'll see me out there. I'm not, you know, showing tons of skin. I don't think that you necessarily oh, no. have to do that. You know what? I know my point being like, yeah. I think that you can embrace the rules and still be able to show a lot of personality. Right. Uh, and not that, you know, I think that girls wearing tank tops and, 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 you know, short skirts, I think they look great too. Like just wear what's comfortable and what's you. Right. Um, and, and if that's an expression of you, great. Um, and I think that, you know, people, get too offended. Um, but I, I do think that there is a balance between kind of respecting, you know, uh, kind of the, the history of golf and, right. and where I'm from when, when, you know, and, and some of that, and then balancing that with, with comfort and sports and, you know, being in the outdoors and all of that. So I think we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad you hit upon that. Cause I, I don't, and I wasn't really going the direction of like showing skin. I just, I, I kind of was talking about, you know, just because you're allowed to be comfortable in the golf course, use that to your advantage and actually express yourself instead of saying, well, you know, I, I can wear this to the bowling alley. I guess now I can wear this to the golf course or, you know, golf isn't, in my opinion, beer league softball, you know, put a, you know, put, you know, this is a different kind of a sport. You can dress in a right. different manner. So right. I have a couple friends that this is slightly off topic, but kind of on topic. Uh -huh. I have a couple friends that are really into dressing up for 10 K's and for Halloween, they go to like four or five <laughs> different Halloween parties and with, with different outfits. I mean, they, and, and he told me uh, that they have a separate room for like one of the bedrooms in their house. That's the room that has all of the costumes in it and the wigs and this and that. So that's a roundabout way of asking how massive is your golf wardrobe and have you had to get a storage locker somewhere for it? I mean, how, how out of control is it? Uh, a lady never tells. Oh, okay. <laughs> but okay. I will tell you that we do not have a storage locker. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So no, it's, it's honestly, it's not that bad. Okay. <laughs> I promise you. Plating the fifth. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, we have hit upon a lot of topics, but let's, uh, let's, all right. So what's the rest of your year look like and what are you looking forward to for the beginning of uh, 2022? 
Yeah. So um, I, I am kind of winded down my competitive play for this year and I, I actually didn't get to play in as much as I would have liked, but it's been, it's been a great year. Um, and I'm looking forward to a lot of kind of just working with clients um, and family time and the holidays and a little bit of travel. And hopefully that'll tee us up nicely, you know, this off season to, to going into the new year and a few tournaments for both my clients and myself. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll start off with a bang in the new year. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to the working to hard this off season and then, and then starting a new year. Well, I will let you get out of here on this one final fun question. I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range, but we will uh-huh. end, we'll end how we started. So name for me, your scramble team. Oh my gosh. And the destination that you're going to play this scramble at, because as I'm sure many listeners are figuring out, you find fun off the golf course as well. <laughs> um, you enjoy a nice restaurant and perhaps, uh, you know, I mean, we, we, okay, let's, let's put Mega Gane as the traveling DJ and, and hype oh, person. So that way she's on the team, <laughs> but you don't have to burn a pick on, on her. So nice. So, and so, I, well, if Megan, if sorry, if Mega comes, that means her father Harry has to come because he fine. is awesome as well. Fine. So I get those are two freebies. I'm driving the van. <laughs> I'm driving the van. So uh, we have we have those Me- are two freebies. I obviously gotta I gotta have Megan Stassi there to make the forty foot sliders. Okay. All right. <laughs> and uh, I obviously have to have my husband because he's just the best human on the planet. Oh boy. And I know it's sick. That's okay. All right. Got to Got to cover <laughs> all I, bases. That means I only have one left. Right. Oh man, it's too hard. Gosh, gosh, gosh. Okay, it could be anybody. Can it be a pro? Maybe I don't want a pro. You know what? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, my... a, it's a it's a it's a scramble. You make your own decisions. It's too but, hard. But All but right. I mean, picking a pro, you know, are they going to be in it? That's the thing. Are they? You know, one, one, one of my closest friends, and we are actually the defending pro member champs at the Dive Preserve in Florida. Okay, is Stephanie Kono, who is um, actually trying to regain her amateur status and give me a run for my money. Um, <laughs> she she is always a joy to play with, and we have a great time. So that would be a fabulous fabulous foursome. And where, where is the scramble going to take place? For, I mean, maybe not the golf course, but for the, you know, part of the country, I mean, where, you know, you can, this team can get oh, in some trouble. I mean, if I get to choose anywhere, yeah. if we could teleport ourselves to Scotland, it's obviously got to be there. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> the scramble in Scotland. The scramble in Scotland. The Scots are gonna like roll their eyes I was so just, hard into their head. I was just gonna say rolling up at the RNA saying, "Listen, here's the how we're." Americans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah last I'll wear my plaid, and then we'll, we'll all be friends. It'll be okay. Okay. Well, last time I was in Scotland, I didn't see a beverage cart rolling around the old course, but uh, maybe things have changed. But I doubt it. I doubt it. Oh, you just need to know when to stop at the uh, that little the jigger in. Uh, Megan's got a little little repertoire where she actually takes uh, she stops at the bridge. We all go into the jigger and we we drink a beer mm-hmm. right right by the bridge. That's her thing. That uh, that's a special <laughs> bridge for her too. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, that's right. She got engaged there. Her does. Unbelievable, unbelievable. <laughs> oh man. But I really appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Uh, w- well worth the wait. I hope we can do it again <laughs> and uh, enjoy the rest of uh, enjoy the rest of the year and the holidays and. Um, I'll be looking for you on a golf course uh, again very soon. Thanks so much, Ben. That was a blast. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll run into each other soon. Special thanks to Ina Kim Shad for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. And we'll see you next time here at the back of the range.